this is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So just getting out for the morning walk. <clears throat> uh, the sun is up, the sky is gray, something something and something something. Topic? Um, muses. I wonder if amused is from muse. Right, so, uh, what is a muse? So I'm thinking in the sense of somebody who inspires a um, creator. And by creator, I mean somebody, a creative, somebody who's making something, um, and then in my neck of the woods it would be uh, someone who's inspiring uh, some kind of storytelling, fiction, specifically, yeah, in my case, it's been fiction. And so I will go back and attempt to think up, um, to, to dig up some people who have uh, inspired me, both uh, living and passed away. One person who I've gone back to is Ray Bradbury and one, one story in particular Night Meeting which is which is in the Martian Chronicles and it's this collection of short stories and some poems about uh, Mars um, attempts to colonize Mars <clears throat> and just over the past couple of days I've been I've, I've gone back to this particular story but I've also uh, been listening to listening to interviews but also lectures that Ray Bradbury gave And uh, there was one lecture that I listened to last night that had um, a, from 1969, and I think he's talking to I think he's talking to university students. And uh, he talks about sort of the catapult of the Martian Chronicles that sort of say before, you know, he was he was doing short stories and then uh, a, a child came along, like say um, all of a sudden he's a father and he wants to uh, you know, push, push into the next gear, shift gears the this collection is suggested and then after that's published, he ends up meeting Aldous Huxley, who says... And Aldous Huxley wrote Brave New Worlds, amongst other things. And Aldous Huxley says, do you know what you know? You are a poet. And 
uh, that that rang true for me. I think there's there's definitely something lyrical, and he keeps talking about the metaphor and word association. So it, for me, it definitely rings a bell. I'm sure it was a process too. Say, starting off and then finding finding his voice. So, so that's an example of a muse, say, that to be inspired by someone's work. You know, you don't actually meet them, but you, you know their work, you study their work. Uh, you end up reading things like essays and, inter- you know, interviews... critiques. I'll I'll have other muses like that that are not particularly hmm. I'm interested in the in the subject. I'm not actually interested in the person or say their um, style, but more rather their their content would be along the lines of say you know oh hey how did you know say uh, Ray Bradbury's success with uh, Mars Martian Chronicles and then onward from there and that someone say could build up a uh, collection something like that you know oh this is how they did it I will follow their path but say that you're not a fan of Ray Bradbury. You're just um, you're you're an admirer of their quote unquote success. This is how they did it, so I'm going to follow. So I'm just thinking of something like C.S. Lewis, where it's. Or, or say, let's let's look at uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, and I knew about Ursula K. Le Guin early on. I had even read, uh, I had even read the Earthsea Wizard of Earthsea early on, and so I knew about it, but I wasn't that excited about it because um, for me it was. It was less escapist and more sort of confrontationist that it was. And say, years later, I I appreciate it and look into it and see. I I see what's going on. Just with something like uh, a connection to the Tao, uh, Taoism, and. Say rather than demonizing one side of yourself, that you're seeking balance. Right. Uh, recently, recently I read or listened to, because I'm having trouble re- with reading, and.
I listened to The Left Hand of Darkness, which is Ursula K. Le Guin. And again, an appreciation. So I'm just thinking of, say, in what way would, in what way would there be inspiration? There were moments in both Wizard of Earth Sea and in Left Hand of Darkness that I appreciated. Um, as a, I think as, as a whole, I have difficulty. So I say I, may, I might take those moments that inspire me and... Like, say, there's this uh, quality to Left Hand of Darkness that is... There's a lot of exposition that goes on. And that was something that I was curious about. It's like, oh, well, you know, how is she, how is she pulling this off? How, how is she able to do this? <clears throat> so another inspiration... I'm just I'm just thinking of people that were um, inspiring, like say that as muse that they became a kind of um, this weird centerpiece. I'm just sort of going through this card catalog of people. It's like um, you know, did this person sort of become uh, become a focal point? There were a lot of uh, relationships with various people that were were inspiring. I'm more remembering, say, snippets of poetry, and I, when I when I write, just going back to say when it really started happening, uh, I. I was alone, and that there wasn't a particular um, person, there wasn't a particular relationship that was inspiring. I'm remembering people where there's a kind of tone to the relationship, but not something where I walk away and I go, you know, I'm going to write a novel about them, or I'm going to take this feeling, you know, and create some some kind of book or something like that. That story. And now I'm now I'm thinking through it. It's like, well, perhaps I kind of, I kind of wish I kind of wish that I had take taken that uh, emotion, that energy, and put that into something, um, preserved it in some in some fashion. I know that there's a few poems that are like that, but there's nothing, you know, significant, large. Um, I'm just thinking if there's stories where there's a particular person in mind. <clears throat> the, the main character that I've been working with for a long time uh, is this 
now. She's 14, 14 year old girl. Um, uh, based off of a First Nations chief here in Vancouver and her story um, as a starting point. And then it went off to do its own thing, but also it is wrapped up in, in my in my headspace. As I'm talking, I'm realizing that that there have been uh, inspiring people, but uh, not at the time that uh, they say I'll be off by myself, and I'm thinking of a particular person. But the relationship is um, kind of over. I'm just thinking of uh, uh, Corby Cuff, uh, my childhood friend who passed away, and that there was this there was this thin connection, but really it was I, I was writing for the um, was writing to the past. And there was a lot of myself uh, in it. So there was a quality. There was a quality of inspiration. There was also so, uh, sort of a bit of hybrid going on. So I had a, a character that was uh, ultimately, I keep referring to as my fantasy cowboy. And it, that it is um, crossing, crossing back and forth. And... So at one time it was not Corby, then it became Corby, and then it, it left Corby. And two, it was never fully uh, him. And I think, I think it was more, say, a way to explore uh, what had happened to us and, then, you know, and where we're at and what, what is happening. So it's a. In my mind, it's feeling kind of quiet, but in fact, as I listen, it's not. I see someone has brought out their lawnmower, so it's about to become loud. And a helicopter has flown overhead. So, so what I'm what I'm thinking is that the the muse, as opposed to the muses, the uh, the Greek goddesses of inspiration, that the that the muse, that the relationship, and writing about the emotions of the relationship, that. It's, it's getting us in, in touch with our subconscious, that we are engaging. Oh, this is interesting. There's a woman walking her dog, and we've been crisscrossing paths. But we haven't had a direct crisscross. 
sort of like I'm heading down one street and she's heading down a cross street. This is... <laughs> Place... Place has served as muse. I've, I've definitely looked at where, where I live. Like say, I look, I've, I've written about the kind of small town, one of the boroughs of, of Vancouver where I grew up. Then I've most recently been writing about uh, the city of, down, of uh, Vancouver, so downtown Vancouver. And, And I've been inspired by uh, the the place. One thing I'd like to do is, uh, oh, I think it's a tutelary spirit, but it's a. Um, it would be a personification of the city, and I'm thinking of the of the old personifications. And uh, what what am I thinking of in, in Greece? And they would have this sort of figure draped in cloth in a dress. So if you can imagine a sort of Grecian, uh, very noble looking, these statues. And then they had a crown, and that the crown has it looks like the battlements of a castle. Or, you know, it looks like that. Not serrated, but um, I'm forgetting the name for it, but, but it's, it's sort of like a these uh, bits of bits of stone, square pieces that are sticking up. Anyway, so looking at this crown, you get this feeling of, a, of the top of a castle wall, say. I want to say Merlon, but that's not... I don't think that's the whole thing for it. But there are these uh, personifications of cities so that you could actually encounter... Um, in, in the fantastic sense, that you could encounter fantasy, right? You could, you could meet the city of Vancouver. And that's, say, something to think about. It's like, well, what... What, what would that look like? A guide would be Britannia, right? This representation, a summing up. And uh, say in old political cartoons, even now, right? Say we have Uncle Sam as this uh, representation of the United States who will make something or be illustrated in some kind of entanglement Right, so... The 
my my idea of say the perfect muse would be and just to flip things around so let's let's do say a lgbtq plus example that we have a an artist of one degree or another is inspired by another person I'd like to extend it too that it doesn't necessarily have to be amorous right that it could be just say it could be a friend it could be an acquaintance um, but that there's this inspiration that happens and that and to I'd like to think of it say that you're you have your work in progress you're all you know cozy and all of a sudden it becomes so important to write about this other person right that that they become a character and not necessarily in your work in progress that they actually decimate that it has to go on the back burner while you while you deal with this uh, What's what's the right word for it? It would be along the lines of um, puppy love. It would be along the lines of I'm thinking I'm thinking of Beatrice and like say Dante, uh, infatuation. There's the word. Um, so, you know, so Dante uh, never really meets Beatrice. Also, I think Beatrice was quite a lot younger. But uh, Dante holds this torch for, uh, for her. In this, I think it's an example of um, chivalric love or romance. And basically putting this person on a pedestal. Um, My, like, say, digging into it, my, my thinking, feeling, is that it's a, that there's something biological going on, that, that it, it involves the, the drive to eroticize, uh, that it is, that it is uh, emotional, that it's also, say, you know, that there's the, a, something psychological is going on, that this person is fulfilling. And then finally, uh, in the worst sense, codependent, that it, it is so overwhelming that it interrupts uh, the work in progress. And, you know, in a human sense, it just, it just takes over. So there are a lot of different elements at work, and I, I'm, all, I'm sort of thinking of a perfect say, trifecta where we have these um, three, three important reference points. Like say if you get just one, right? That there's this, you know, that this person fits your the biological sort of impulses. 
but then or say if if it's just if it's purely emotional like it's purely just a, a platonic feeling of friendship or uh intellectual right you can't <laughs> you can't stand this person uh in the other senses but when you're talking right they they are fascinating and or something like say they have such uh, confidence and the the way that they operate that you look at them and you go oh my gosh this person is just amazing they seem to have it all together and and we're in the territory of the grass is always greener uh, with the big question what's their problem they can't have a problem they're perfect I remember meeting someone at uh, the local science fiction convention. And, and in the first meeting, it was uh, sort of um, awkward. And then in the later meeting, like as, as the year went on and I, I got involved in promotion, the... Uh, 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 talking with them soured and I sort of felt like uh, that, that they had become disappointed that say initially starting off that there was a, a notion of me and then but, but again that was not uh, real and perhaps that they didn't want to know the real me and that they had this sort of idealized idea and that when we came we came that we came down to it that the actual person who I am is not not to be liked one of the um, one of the challenges of dealing with human beings uh, can you hold your own, right? Uh, and I want to, I want to say that you know that I haven't been um, that I haven't played somebody else's muse, but I suspect that's not the case. I I found. I found out years later that, uh, like, what was it? Before I left high school, before I dropped out, that there were uh, that, that somebody was um, pursuing me, and I had no idea. And two, I was such a mess, right? That it it still doesn't make sense. But also, I think it's it speaks to them. And it speaks to where they're at. I'm just attempting to get closer to what is it that the muse... What is it? <laughs> what, what is it that the, the amused and the muse... Like, what, what shapes this um, uh, connection that is happening between the two people? 
Uh, number one, I don't think it's uh, permanent. I think it's a temporary um, experience. It's uh, confusing, overwhelming. Uh, for some people, it's painful. Like it's just a, it, uh, it kind of wrecks your life for a little bit and then it's over. Uh, and equally confusing. Now I'm just thinking of the whole sort of span of a relationship like that and what it is. I've, I've talked about it before and that, that there's this biological impulse first of all but but what is that like why why should it matter um why can't it be like that with everybody like why is it that there's certain people out there who tick all the boxes and that they um that that they stand out one of the phrases that i remember is um, so-and-so is the one. Um, I can remember one relationship where it was sort of, I went, um, all of my faults were on a list, and then at the end, uh, it was sort of e equal sign, and said, you know, he's perfect. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Uh... And two, to add, you know, that, in fact, I wasn't, you know, the... But um, to switch it now, getting back into the literary, getting back into the, into story writing... <clears throat> and the consideration of, say, characters. I, I like the idea that, that you could have a friendship, right? That you could have something that's platonic and uh, two people or more who have uh, an intimacy with together that is... It's verging on something that is romantic. It reminds me of uh, bromances. One term that I always found interesting, and one sort of distinction, was say that um, even when I was growing up, that uh, females would be having um, girlfriends. I could not have a boyfriend. That was not part of the equation. But I could have girlfriends. I could have friends. I had male friends. <laughs> I had... Uh, I'm trying to think of what... what the shared um, description was uh, for, for males. Yeah, I think it was just uh, it was it was just say terms like buddy or just even friends. I'm gonna go out and see some friends. 
remember our community went uh, camping and that say as kids there was this I think on one level we knew that sort of we were on it was sort of just it was just sort of like at the beginning of puberty or in puberty but the distinctions hadn't been made and things you know hadn't got quite messed up yet so and two we we sort of you know this group of childhood friends that we we were hanging out there was this element of family as well uh most of the females that there was a that say that they were sisters of my childhood friends and so in my in my mind I kind of equated and uh the closeness where so there wasn't an element of romance there so in in a great way I was looking at them as as people right as human beings that you know they were that they were, you know they're very close to my you know male childhood friends and here's my female childhood friends like there was a number of uh, that I uh, grew up with. I think ultimately there was more male friends uh, than female, but I, I did have, um, I did, I do have these childhood friends that are um, that there's a relationship that is more like sisters. Of course, it, it well. <laughs> Anyways, I don't look at them in the in the same way, which is a weird thing to be making this distinction, you know, of of these relationships. A part of the muse is overwhelming. Part of the muse is um, addictive, and I really want to get the word codependent in there because it. It just reeks of it, and the the great thing of say transferring that into a work of art is that it doesn't. It sort of unplugs it from the social consequences. Um, what do I mean by that? Say. And two, perhaps a one-sided adoration. You know, you can have somebody like, um, say, Dante, obsessing over this person. This person has this whole other life. They have uh, uh, their life. They have uh, they have their love life. And it seems like it's a way to fulfill it without. Just checking the time. Let's go to the other street. Yeah, so it's fulfilling it. And even say that things can happen that would never happen in real life, right? So this the virtual experience of, of the art piece, of the poem, of the novel, of the, the movie, uh, the sculpture, the painting... 
that something is uh, able allowed to happen that uh, might not and probably wouldn't happen in quote unquote real life. to switch around to, to go back to the subconscious, that there's in the art that this person becomes, here's that word again, kind of like a psychopomp, that in following them and exploring what the, what the, what is it, in exploring the relationship, there we go, even if it, even if this person is, you know, off the map, this consideration, it, it leads to uh, this other world or underworld experience of the subconscious. If we put on our Jungian glasses, now I'm switching back to an LGBTQ plus. experience that it that it would be this question of what is it I, I'm I'm just sort of going through it because in the um, in this Jungian look into things that there's this there's this notion of balance there's this um, notion of, say, uh, inner gender versus outer gender. And that, say, um, we see someone who, who balances us. We see someone who fits. Um, but the problem with it is that, say, it's on the outside. It's not on the inside. And... That considering that person can lead us somewhere within. So if we say consider them, and it, it takes us to uh, here, I'm going all the way back to Ray Bradbury, who uh, encouraged uh, encouraged a connection with the subconscious, and to be doing something that rather than Rather than doing something for money, doing it for uh, curiosity, doing it for interest, um, doing it for passion. I think the example was he did, uh, he did a screenplay for Moby Dick, and then after that they wanted him to, to write um, War and Peace, and he just had no interest. Uh, but, of course, he could have, right? He could have forced himself. It was good money. But ultimately, that's not why he was in it. That's not what he was in it for. I got to, a chance to study Moby Dick, and it is doing some amazing things. Um, it is weighty and tough, but it's just loaded. And and it, it speaks to the colonial experience and the American experience and colonialism, imperialism.
Right, so... Well, at least one of my childhood friends that I know is LGBTQ+. And I hope they can forgive me for, you know, for any, well, not any offenses, but uh, proceed, proceed. So, um, yeah, I think, I I think I'm bringing it up LGBTQ+, because, because I want to, uh, have it sort of down on, you know, to, to record it and to say, to say the things that I have not gotten to say, that say, that the conversation is not there. And two, it, it could be a situation where I'm looking at them and I'm, I'm sort of judging and I'm going, oh, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're not straight. Uh, you are curly, or however you want to say it. Um, I heard the opposite as, as bent, and I didn't like that. Curved is nice. right? Oh, you're curved. But again, you know, say... That that whole notion, uh, you know, how how is that received? But but in 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 this case, that it's a it's a person who normally is, and that's it. That even that terminology is of normally, but say they are not. Perhaps too that they would that they at one time that they played the role, but that's not what's happening now and I'm I'm glad of that and uh, that they're being who they are and not um, uh, cutting themselves off um, repressing so that's good <laughs> and and what is it? Uh, hope, hoping to see from their perspective. There's, in, 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 my, in my take on it, there's a lot of, um, uh, in writing, that there's a, that there's a lot of Uh, straight people who are, on one hand, who are saying, I, you know, I'm helping, but I keep getting the feeling that, that they're not. And so that's a concern of mine, is that I don't want to be doing something that is counterproductive, you know, or... Respectful. There we go. There's the word. I want to. I want to show respect for this person. I think too that the thing to do would be to 
contact them and say, hey, um, I'd like to do something that is LGBTQ+, but I want to I want to check with you and see if um, if I'm doing it right, you know, if I'm going to, you know, is this something, can you point out, like, sort of where, where I'm off? Of course, it's subjective, but to me that's important, and it's a chance to uh, connect with this uh, childhood friend, and uh, what is it called, validate them. That, I think ultimately that that's what is going on. And, and now, too, I'm, I'm sort of going, it's like, oh, is this, I think, I think I'm, as I'm talking and thinking and feeling that it, this seems to be moving towards uh, um, another muse. So it might not necessarily be, it, it could be the case of where uh, I'm writing to someone else with, uh, With, with with this uh, friendship, you know, with, and it's something again, something that is more me, right? It's it's a way to engage with a um, a part of myself. Sort of, you know, I, I treasure I treasure these other people, and uh, this the bizarre situation of not treasuring myself as much as I treasure these other people. Uh, and that too, I don't, I'm not around these other people who I care about. Is it, is it that I sort of set up kind of a safety situation that, you know, I'm, my relationship with them is purely uh, imaginary, you know, and that, that the reality of them, uh, that's the other thing is that people change. And that say we have this uh, great memory, but or even too a great fantasy of someone uh, versus the reality. I'm just thinking of one's own experience and uh, the great resistance, like say for myself, of re- refusing the outside world and insisting on the inside world uh, and 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 the, the the weird contrast of being around people who are in love with the outside world and seeing it uh, seeing it and believing it in a way uh, that I don't that I don't that I can't that I won't and my own take, which is say that the value starts within, right? So if I can create the value within, then I can look on the world. <clears throat> my manager is able to look on on the world, like say, and to not on the world, but it seems to be mostly nature. Uh, can see the beauty and uh, will point it out to me. And I will look, and it's almost like a, a teeter-totter, a seesaw. And 
there is there is the possibility of see, seeing something in a new light um, or in a positive light, optimistic. Just realizing that the um, phone is not on airplane mode. There we go. Let's do a segue. Um, I'm just noticing some houses have a particular color scheme. And I think one of them, it's almost like, say, a pillar on the porch is being tested and painted. It, it feels like they were built by the same company or the same design. And, and yet slightly different. One is slightly taller, the other one is, um, say the first floor is lower to the ground. Um, but there's these, this notion of similarity. It sort of feels like one house was built, um, and then the other house was built later, I don't know, like even ten years, and we want it to be similar. This kind of extension. The colors of the house, uh, yellow and brown. And as I go along the street, there is a quality of it. There is, there is brown. There are browns. There are yellows. Some muses. I remember watching a, uh, watching a number of painting, um, art history, documentaries, studying and uh sort of reaching this weird th uh what what seems to be going on or the argument is um that it's it's the male gaze and it's uh there there are even say within paintings there are men observing women and that the women are bearing themselves uh, to the men. That they're the, the object of desire, but also in a, in a creative sense. That, that, that this um, preoccupation and obsession. Ultimately, the place that I've gotten to is that it's avoidance tactic instead of facing yourself that the entire culture is 
geared towards this external, right? And, oh, you can find it here. You can find it in relationships. Even in um, community. Oh, you can find it in community. But there's this uh, lingering disappointment and that if one doesn't have their own relationship with himself and and that that gets into something like um, it almost sounds like narcissism like say this preoccupation with one's one's own self or you know one's own appearance and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, like, say, uh, is it possible to to switch, right? To actually have the that the muse becomes internalized, that the muse becomes a, a character that exists within, and that you're actually writing about it as such, that it's a part of yourself, and that this person is making uh, that connection possible. Um, so moving away from the outside world. And, and for myself, um, just say thinking about, uh, really it's any kind of fiction, but perhaps even a fiction that is where there's this consciousness of that in, in the creative act that there's this reflection upon one's own state and one's own um, psyche. Uh, can we get closer to ourselves? And that's the danger of the muse on the external. And they are not. <laughs> they are not that person. They're, they're a person, right? They're um, just as uh, complex and warped and weird as anyone else. And then the question is, you know, say, um, with the muse, the, that feeling is more important than the actual. So the imagined is more important. But in a way, it's using using this person in order to get there, you know, regardless of where they are on the bandwidth of their, you know, what sex they are, what gender they are. What uh, class they are, what ideology. I'm just imagining now a Like you could you could write something that was. I, right right now I'm imagining. This uh, an idolizing of someone. Uh, and, you know, to go full communist, right, and sort of, somebody who's. Uh, idolizing that and, all of the all of the characteristics and. The perfection of it, right?
with the uh, with the rise of uh, fascism uh, once again, I, I was I was thinking of that, and I had this title of. I think I was going off of David Bowie's Young Americans and the thinking of uh, young fascists in love and that it's this exploration of idolizing, right? Idolizing the, uh, what is it, the, the glamour of brutality. You know, it's like, well, why would anybody do that? And just to sort of show, to show how how that can happen and does happen. Um, the crypto fascism of of where of where I am right now, right? This very sort of low key um, cultural genocide. We'll slowly get rid of these people, or we'll slowly oppress them. Uh, we'll do it in ways that are, you know, moats, right? Or we have these, you know, uh, little outflarings of these people. But much like my experience in my community, perhaps that's really what I ought to be writing about, is the, you know, say, the seduction uh, of the... Uh, the hippie lifestyle, right? You know, oh, you will expand your mind if you use these substances, and you know that's how we're going to fix you know mental health, right? We're gonna we're gonna get psychedelic, and we're all peaceful and loving, and uh. Women's rights, yeah. But the, 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 that's not really what uh, is going on. Yeah, so there's something for me to, uh, to work on. There's a project. And it's a it's a kind of Pandora's box, um, really. That say for me, it's uh, I open up and I start to look at. Yes, there's hope at the bottom of the box, but there's all of this um, garbage that's uh, hiding under the hunting, hiding under the lid. And to and to sort of say, oh well. We're going to fix all that. It seems like no matter what community, like say, oh, you know, the community is saying, we will fix it. But, but the reality is that there are pockets and individuals uh, hidden and uh, concealing you know, who they actually are and what their agendas are. And that it's about power, ultimately. But what an amazing thing, and weird and, and unsettling, um, but to be adored, I think that there's, there's something kind of addictive, there's something kind of um, uh, 
like the superstar, right? Or say the performer who seeks that, who seeks to be on stage and uh, performing, that there's this show going on. You know, and that, that you will be looked upon a certain way and you will fulfill a kind of role. But at the same time, the um, adoration of the artist is fleeting. You know, they're, they're there for this explosive uh, experience. Uh, and then when it's over, uh, it's over. And I'm trying to think, too, of... It, it's, it's very much like, say, the honeymoon's over. Was the, was the intention, it was just the creative act? Uh, which is interesting, because there's this... There's, there's the physical equivalent of, say, you know, two people getting together, they have this burst of uh, experience uh, and then say, say something comes out of that something is created uh, and then you and then you move on uh, and to you know is it possible for that to sort of reoccur can you know is it just sort of like a one-time only uh, experience so the muse and this is just like last words on the muse. Um, I, th I think I think uh, musing from a distance is is the wiser of like say if you have an uh, if you have an option if you have a choice that it's better to be not there that it is purely involving the uh, artistic <coughs> that it's not that, that it's not something that is going to uh, wreck you and that and I'm just thinking in the codependent sense let's say you know you invest so much but that there's uh, so little return. Uh, say that it's it's one-sided in that sense. And I don't think it's quite... I don't think it's fair for the other person who's bewildered and um, obsessed over. All right. Uh, thank you. And... Uh, take care.